Um, has anyone ever heard um, a prayer that, that kind of sounds like this? God, you know, help us clear our minds of everything that happened during this week so that we can truly and only focus on you here in worship. That's a prayer that I've likely prayed many times as I, I led worship with people, as, as I, I've been up front. And, and I think the intent of that prayer is, is, is honorable, right? When we come to worship, we want to, to focus on who God is, how awesome he is, what he has done, and, and have that, that singular focus on God and his sacrifice for our life, for the renewal of our life. I wonder, what if that isn't what God is asking us to do? What if he isn't asking us to forget about everything that was happening during the week? What if he isn't asking us to forget about that flooring project that we had going on that just seems to be not going the way we want, and we got halfway through the floor, and then we looked back, and there was this big crack that we didn't see earlier? What if he wants us to remember that and maybe set that at the foot of the cross? What if God doesn't want to forget us to forget those times where we've mailed packages to, to people that we've cared about? And he wants us to recognize that that time that we've been, been mailing packages or, or writing to individuals in, in, uh, maybe in, in, who are incarcerated, uh, maybe... Maybe he doesn't want us to forget that. And he, and he says, that's, that's an offering. You should bring that to the foot of the cross. Or, or maybe it's you're, you're, you're inundated with papers, and I know this doesn't look like a lot, but you think about all the, the teachers who have homework that they need to grade and things that they need to prepare for tomorrow, and in all the, the business people, they probably have all this digitized anyway, but they have all this paperwork that they have to go through each and every week, and, and, and sometimes frustrating paperwork, but what if he doesn't call you to forget that frustration, but instead lay those things, all of them at the foot of the cross? What if you're a college student inundated with books, all those stacks and stacks of books that you have to, to read and, and focus on and, and, and so on. And what if, what if God says, Bree, the offering of, of all your books, the offering of all of your study, the offering of all the hours that you spent at Calvin, that's, that's an offering that you bring to God. What about, what about our other students? I, I, I think Peyton and Cohen, there's two backpacks over there, right? What about our, our little kids, the time that they spend in the bus going to school? You guys, boys, come up. The, the time that they spend in the bus at school, the time that they spend eating with their friends, the time they spend out in the playground. Peyton is bringing up Elena's backpack, by the way, the sparkly one. Uh, I forgot she'd be out of here. What if that is an offering that God says, bring to me? That time that you give is an offering. What about those, those times we're working on home projects or, or, or you bought a cottage that you need to strip down to absolutely nothing so you can rebuild it back up? And in all those weekends of sweat equity that, that God says, that's an offering, you should, you should bring that up. All that time, come on, Canine and Bell family. 
bring, bring up those things, all of those things. That time that you spent, I don't know if you were using that, but cool, yeah, right? All that time that you spent working on those home projects is, is an offering that is pleasing to the Lord. And there's some gardening equipment here too. Offerings that are pleasing to the Lord. All of those things, all of those normal work week things. The times where you change a light bulb at home and find out how many people it really takes to change one, maybe. I don't know. All, all of those times where you're deciding what clothes to wear to work or to school. All those times where you have to look back on past videos of church sermons to make sure you don't wear the same thing week after week. Does anyone else have that problem? All of those things, those seemingly ordinary, mundane, those things that come every week that maybe we don't give a second glance or a second thought, are the vocation of our work and our worship and offering to God coming together. My sermon preparation, you could say, is an, is an offering to God. And it's really this picture of what Israel went through before. It's a picture of what God commanded Israel to do. Uh, Corey Wilson, he was here this last week, the author of a book called Work and Worship. He and Matthew came in, uh, write this. The Israelites were instructed to regularly bring their work lives into worship. Instead of leaving their work back at the door or back where you entered, they actively carried their produce. They carried their animals. They carried their marketplace confessions and their needs and their struggles into the temple as a literal act of worship before the Lord. Their physical items, you think about them bringing bringing the grain and bringing the sheep and bringing the bull, their literal sacrifice was what they spent their life working on. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann talks about how worship, it's not this escape like we need to get out of the world, but instead it's, it's an offering and it's, it's doing something that's different within us. He says this, gathered worship in Israel was not designed to serve as spiritual escape from the marketplace, from the fields or the public square. Instead, temple worship was meant to directly engage and challenge the economic, the cultural, uh, and the political behaviors of Israel themselves. To worship in the temple to was, make, was to make public declaration that Yahweh alone is sovereign over Israel's political and economic life. To worship God was to declare that God is Lord over all families, that he was Lord over all the fields, that he was Lord over all the, the money, and he was Lord of all over the, the markets and the armies and the kings and even its weather. The Lord was over and sovereign over everything. And that's why we declare and we, we bring our work to worship. We we bring the tools of the trade. We, we bring our papers. We, 
maybe they don't do it physically, but we bring them with us in our mind. So let's head to Deuteronomy chapter 26 where the the Lord commands the people uh, to do so. I think we have it on the screen too. Good. All right. 26, uh, we're going to go verses 1 through uh, 11. When you have entered the land, the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and have settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you, and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, that's the temple, and say to the priest in the office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down to Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, And the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and great signs and wonder. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, the Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Take your first fruits. The first things that you got out of the soil and and place them in a basket. They, they took those things, those, those normal things of their life, from their garden, from their fields, the, the fields that, that they spent time tending each and every week as they, as they planted, as they took care of, as they perhaps weeded, as they watched over, and they took the first things that came out of there, put it in a basket, and brought it to God, becoming a a theme of what the Israelites would do, bringing their work into worship, bringing their work into the temple. And that's because they believed that Yahweh, the Lord, their God, cared about every single aspect of their life. God didn't just care about the time that they spent in the temple worshiping Him. He he cared about the time that was in the field. He cared about the time where they were sweeping out their houses. He cared about the time that they were building and creating. He cared about the time where they were conversing and laughing. He cared about all of these things. Not just the big ones, but even the mundane, small details of life. God said, I care about that. 
Dr. Wilson uses an example in his, his book about the joy that God has for receiving the offering from people, the offering of their lives. And he says it's like a mother or father and their child. I don't know how many of you have, have had kids that like to draw at home and, and they go and they draw this picture and, and they're so proud about the picture that they developed because they use so many different colors and, and, and you know maybe it was one that they colored in that was already drawn out. Maybe it was something that they drew themselves and they, they take this picture and they come up to mom and dad and they're like, look at this picture that I created. And in your mind, it's, it's not like you think, man, that doesn't look anything like a dog. You know, it's not like in your mind that doesn't look anything like our family. It's not like you're going to say, man, you really didn't do a good job staying in the lines. The, the sky isn't green. What do you think? No, that's not what parents do. Instead, what do, what do parents do when they receive that picture? Maybe they, they get down on their knee and they're like, Thank you so much for that. This is a beautiful picture. I'm so glad that you spent your time on it. And then they, they usually take that picture and they walk over to the refrigerator and put it there for all to see. God is, is like that father or mother eager and ready to receive the gift that we have to offer. Whatever gift that may be. God says, Elaine, man, that was so awesome how you folded that laundry this week. That was so great. I'm, I'm so glad you did that. Mike, I'm, I'm so glad that, that you, you were helping your family build that house. Man, the way you pounded that nail, that was so good. He takes all of those things that we would just overlook, and he, he sees that as part of this beautiful picture that is offered to him, offered directly back to him. It's this wonderful thing where we bring everything that we do to God as an act of worship. It's a different way, perhaps, to look at what we do in our life. It was perhaps even a different way that the Israelites were looking at their life we heard in this passage that they were coming out of Egypt where they were oppressed, where they were, were actually slaves to work. And we're going to get into that particular detail a little bit more next week, where, where work is, is not as it should be today, where, where work is, is this thing that is a, a thing that is toiled over and, and, and often isn't something that we get excited about. And so the Lord needed to work a new thing in them to to recognize what they're doing is now an offering to take them from that place of pain, that place of discomfort, and bring them into a new place where that work, that, that 5 a.m. alarm isn't one of dread, but it's, it's one of joy because you know every waking moment from there, even your sleeping ones too, is that offering directed back to God. Them grabbing the grain and bringing that as an offering a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Them bringing their, their most prized lamb. The, the lamb that, that they tended for and cared for. It was the, the most perfect lamb that they had and, and bringing it to the Lord. 
It's, it's amazing how the Lord was working this in them and forming a dependence within their lives as they needed to take the first things that grew from the ground and gave them to the Lord, as they took the, the best bull or, or cow or best lamb and, and the one that they probably would love eating themselves and instead bringing it to the Lord and, and trusting the Lord that, that he would provide for them, that he would he would effectively care for the needs of their lives. I wonder, what does it actually look like for us to bring our work to worship? I I read a story, and I actually don't remember where it was. Um, It was a story where this, this guy went into this church. I think it was two guys went into this church. They had never been there before, and then he noticed all these people having these types of things along I don't know, maybe they had sawzalls, I'm not sure, but sawzalls and bread and wine and all of these different things. And, and at one point in the service after the pastor prayed, all the people walked forward with their various gifts. And so one person, yeah, they carried up their tools of the trade, the, the crimping tool that they used when they were working on HVAC ductwork maybe. And, and another person, an older guy, brought up this, this hammer that looked like it had been well-worn and used. And then some guy brings up this case of wine and sets it down. And the, and the baker brought in the bread. And all these things piled before the altar of the Lord. And then what, what the pastor proceeded to do was grab the wine and the bread. And they shared among perhaps the first fruits of what they had to offer in communion with the Lord. A beautiful picture of what we have as an offering to God. So if we have any vintners in the house, I invite you to bring you know, a case of your, your, your best uh, grape juice uh, uh, the first Sunday of November, and maybe we can participate with that together. I don't think we do. But, um, but what does it look like in our life, though? Like, largely, we don't have spots in church where we invite people to bring what they're working on and and place it before the cross. How How do we work on recognizing the work that we do during the week as something that we offer to God? Well, I have maybe a few examples for us. Maybe think of CPAs and money managers and stock brokers just like the, the farmers and the Israelite who, who went into worship still as farmers, they too come as their roles when they come to worship. In, in their minds, they, they carry those offerings from the work week, bringing with them those balanced books that they worked on, that they're pleased to see worked out to the very penny. Maybe it's they're bringing with them in their mind the just weights and measures and honesty that they used when caring for and tending to people's money matters. They, they offer from their life the, the, the well-thought-out financial futures for the best of all of their clients. They bring an offering of, of not choosing to, to make risky or unnecessary moves with others' money for their own personal gain. As they 
they pray and worship, they begin thinking about the faces of, of those they tend to, the companies and the clients, their dreams and their hopes for, for what they want to accomplish. Those money managers and stockbrokers bring that to the Lord on behalf of their friends. Perhaps there's, there's people who are in the medica- medical and education fields and, and they carry too the faces of their students and even the faces of their patients in with them to worship. Those concerns, perhaps bringing an offering of gratitude and supplication for, for the, the way those students and, and parents have ha- or, or, or patients have had good things happen, those, those times where the, the medicine was working just as they expected it to work, and, and there seems to be a turn for better in health. Or, or with students, as, as, as the the teachers recall those moments where a light bulb clicked and, and they recognized something that they didn't before. But there's also those times where those, those, those same workers, those same workers among us in the pew are experiencing something more difficult. They offer the heartache from the places they work. The heartache of of those who continually see on a day-to-day basis bodies who continue to fail, who, where medication is not working the way they were hoping to, where diagnoses seem to be detrimental. And they offer them, just as a, a priest would to the Lord, they offer those difficult moments to the Lord. At the, at the same time, those medical workers and teachers are perhaps even weary. Weary from the 12-hour shifts that seem to last all night long. And they offer that weariness as a part of their first fruits. They put all of their energy and their time into their work, into caring for people, into teaching students, and they, they bring this late night and early morning to the Lord in hopes that they could rest in his presence. And the Lord sees that offering of that time and smiles just as a parent would at a picture a child brings. Recognizing that gift of exhaustion being an offering that's too great for words. You know, maybe construction workers don't cease to be construction workers when they walk through those doors. They offer their bodies, perhaps you could say as a living sacrifice, those sore backs and those sore arms from working all week. Those sun-scorched faces and sun-dried skin and wind-burned bodies as they work day in and day out, outside in perhaps harsh conditions. The offering of of calluses that have been formed over years and years of being down on their knees and moving concrete. The offering comes through the week. The offering of safe and effectively built homes. The offering of conditioned spaces where people are able to get 
out of the heat of the day and be protected from the cold of the night. The offering of well-thought-out plumbing systems where we turn on that spigot and we don't have to think twice about fresh, clean water coming out of there. The Lord accepting the gifts of the, the miles or thousands of feet of electrical wire that were strewn throughout houses so that others may use their gifts well by knowing when they plug something into the outlet, it's going to work as expected. Those contractors that give all the information necessary for people to make good, wise choices where they're not taking advantage of people, that all is an offering to the Lord. But maybe you say, well, I'm a stay-at-home parent. I don't have that type of work. I'm not one who, who leaves the house for parents with small children, perhaps their offering is, is the, the kids in tote as they come into worship. That freshly cleaned clothing that happened during the week that somehow got all wrinkled when the kids put it away. It's an offering to the Lord. Maybe it's the, the offering of the diligence of week and week out considering other people before themselves as they do the hard work of raising people to follow God. Maybe the offering before the Lord is the, the wiggles and the movements and the noises of toys clinking together or the drawings that happen even during the worship service. The kids offering themselves to the Lord. Maybe you don't have any kids at home, though. Maybe your offering is a little bit different. It's every time you see that phone ring and it's one of your kids that have left the house, it's answering it. Maybe it's those times in the middle of the day that you pray for and consider what one of your kids is doing and desire to see things happen well for them. Maybe your offering then is that unconditional love to them that extends beyond time and however many miles it is between you and them, always considering how God is in their life, maybe how God isn't in their life, and what you desire to see, an offering to the Lord. God looks down on these things as that offering, that recognition of love that we have for Him and that we have in living out our calling. As members of community, we, we bring that offering of love and care and grace each time we, we step out and care for others and then return. But maybe our, our work week isn't that way. Maybe it is that 4.30 alarm that just seems so dreadful. Well, that, that's not the alarm for Ruth. Ruth gets to go to sleep at about 8 in the morning. Maybe... Maybe your days are so hard that you don't want to go to work. Maybe your offering then is a little bit different. It's perseverance in your life. An offering of perseverance continually day in and day out, going through the undesirable so that someone would experience something. 
It's, it's the offering of patience in the midst of frustration in difficult co-workers that you seem to bear with each in every hour of each in every day. Next week, we're going to consider those things. The way our work and workplaces and vocations seem to be corrupted and are not the way they should. And how even in those situations, they're an offering to the Lord. A pleasing aroma that He receives gladly and willingly. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You accepted the Israelites' work as an offering. And that each and every day, as we go through the mundane and the ordinary and the repetitive, that too is an offering we bring to you. We can work in our minds to see it that way, that we could gladly bring those praises and those petitions and those laments from our work week with us into worship and offer them at your feet. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.